Homestyle Green, episode 160. What exactly is floating around inside your home, in the air that you breathe? And is it doing any damage? Is it a problem? Well, chances are it probably is a problem. And this week I'm speaking to someone who can help you figure out exactly what's in the makeup of the air, what's bad, what's good, and then what you can do about improving it for you and for your family. Welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. And I'm really happy this week to be speaking with Caroline Blavosky. She is the healthy home expert and she has made a career and made a, a business out of doing something which I'm becoming more and more interested and passionate about. And that is identifying exactly what's going on inside people's homes and then helping them to improve those homes. And particularly, uh, Caroline's area of expertise is, is indoor air quality and the air that we breathe. There's a few issues that we discuss here, closing in the house, making it more airtight, and then the things that we're putting inside our house and what that's doing to things like mold and contaminants and, and these things called VOCs. What are VOCs anyway? These are all things that we discuss with Caroline. Before we get into that though, I just want to say a very, very great thank you to ProClimber. The awesome team at ProClimber couldn't do the show without them the way that uh, we continue to bring it out each week for free for you to listen to. And uh, ProClimber doing some amazing stuff out in the industry uh, and the building sector right now and uh, looking forward to that becoming more and more obvious and I think it will because people are really getting their uh, the idea of this airtightness concept which is related to today's topic but airtightness is something that you want if you want to have an energy efficient home and an effective home uh, in terms of keeping moisture uh, flowing where it needs to flow keeping a dry warm and healthy interior of your home but you can't do ventilate. Sorry, you can't do air tightness without ventilation and with good air quality. And that's uh, part of the topic that we're talking about today is indoor air quality. It's a bit of a theme. I've got um, some other great interviews coming up uh, this month relating to indoor air quality. We're going to we're going to be addressing issues like ventilation as well, which you also need if you're going to have an airtight uh, building envelope, which is something that I recommend if you want to have an energy efficient building and a healthy building. Uh, so if you do want to chat with the team at ProClimber, which I highly recommend you do, you can find them at proclimber.co.nz or proclimber.com.au or if you're international, then just proclimber.com. Now let's get on with today's interview. Please welcome Caroline Blazowski, America's healthy home expert, for over 16 years, she has been helping homeowners and physicians diagnose problems that may be lurking in your home. She has a developed a national re reputation as one of the top home consultants in the US and her clients span throughout the US and internationally. She's worked on homes in the most famous to the average everyday person who wants to be environmentally friendly and improve their living space. So welcome, Caroline. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. That is a pleasure. I want to start out by asking, um, usually I ask why people do what they do, which I'm going to do, but I want to find out from you, what's the what's the um, the funkiest 
worst thing you've found in a house? Hmm. I think it has to be when I was working on a home in Los Angeles and the customer was an older gentleman in his 80s, I'd say, and he was retired and he developed sudden allergies. He was constantly feeling ill. Mm -hmm. And what was amazing was that he had the common sense to come and contact me. And he said, look, I'm sick in my home. Something's not right. I've been to the doctor. They're not providing me with any answers. Uh And he said, I want to check my home. So I said, fine. And, you know, I asked if there were people coming in and out of the house or, you know, what, how the house was positioned. And he had rather a large, a very large home. And he said that he did have people who frequented, frequented it coming through his home. Yeah. Um, and we had done a mold and allergen panel and what had come back was very high counts of dander. And he said that he was very clean. So it sort of got me suspicious. And I said, well, I would like to do some animal protein testing And to be honest, I don't know what made me test for horse. I typically test for cat and dog, some mouse um, proteins, but I decided I was going to test for horse. It was sort of just a fluke. I just said, okay, I'm going to test for this, you know, out of the ordinary thing because I was pulling a panel. Well, the lab happened to call me and they said, we have never seen this much horse protein in a home in our our entire existence (laughs) as a lab. Right. And I said, what? And then um, I spoke to the gentleman and I said, look, this is going to sound crazy, but you've got all this horse protein. And he said, I know where it's coming from. My masseuse is a horse handler and she's very in contact with her horses. And he he was an older gentleman. So he's like, oh, she's got to sleep with these horses. And I said, I said, well, this is where I think it's coming from. And sure enough, she was bringing all these horse proteins into his property and making him really sick. So that's just. It's a great intro because it shows us that just because we're not living in a certain environment doesn't mean that we don't bring these things into our home from other places that we go. Or other, uh, other people bring them in. Correct. And with pet proteins, especially in workplaces and when you're in contact with people who have horses or cats or birds, all of that can come into a work environment and can make other people sick, even though you may not be susceptible to it. That is that is very interesting. So it's not just you, what you bring into the home or the things that you store there, but what what other people can be bringing into your home. I'm going to take I'm going to make sure guests take their shoes off now when they come into my house. Well, and she and she probably did in her defense, but she was so covered in horse protein yeah. because of the fact that she was, you know, work working and playing and enjoying her horses that she was bringing it in very high concentration though. But it was crazy that she was one person and the concentration was so high. The lab had never seen something that high. So needless to say, once they, I I don't know if they fired her or what happened, but (laughs) once she was gone, that was, he got better and he was fine. So I guess the other message there is that to do what, you do, which is to get things tested to find out what is actually in the home. That must be the the big eye opener for a lot of people. I think so. And I think if you're really going to be in this business and you're going to be concerned about indoor air quality, you've got to understand one, the building envelope and how your home is built. And you and I've talked about this previously. Mm. And two, you really have to be science-based because I think a lot of people say, I'm going to just get an air purifier that will cure my problem. And air purifiers don't all work the same way and they don't all handle uh, different types of um, different types of products that you may get in your home. 
So yeah. they're all designed differently. And I want to know exactly what the problem is and what we're treating. And yeah. I think you got to be very science-based about it. At least that's my philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you do what you do, Caroline? I do what I do because I, at one point in my life, had very bad allergies. And I felt that there weren't a lot of options for people who did. So this is going back about 20 years. And I decided that there had to be better solutions to dealing with it. 40 to 50 million Americans deal with some type of allergic condition. So that's a lot of people. And, and is I that think, on the rise? Yes. It's been doubling over the last 10 years. I know that it has doubled. So it's been doubling. It's been increasing. I think with the more pollution we create, the bodies are compromised just from, you know, air pollution. And then, of course, you've got to deal with more chemicals. Everything is, you know, becoming more fragrance, more personal care products, everything. And because I think we, that, we as a species kind of change that much, right? Right. In that correct. time. Correct. So something in our environment must be changing. Correct. And if you, you know, just not studying just pollutants, but also the impacts that we're seeing from global warming on mold, mold proliferation, for example, mm. or bee pollen, or the lack of bees, or the more powerful sting of a wasp, these things have also been changing too. So I think it's indicative that there's, you know, global changes that are happening that are causing all these other changes. Things, these things, these species are becoming more powerful and their mycotoxins and what they put out and how fast they grow based on how much, you know, carbon that we have, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, oxygen that we have in the air all affects these things. So I think it's a problem that's going to be increasing and here to stay. So you had bad allergies yourself, mm -hmm. and yeah. what happened? Were you not not getting better? You weren't be out. You weren't able to find a cure. Yeah, I think that I went searching for what the answers were that caused the initial allergies. And in my case, going back then, I think it was a mold situation. Um, and then I started to trace and understand, you know, the relationship that mold play in our home and how they impact the human body and what the body does with it. And this is, you know, I've been doing this for 16 years. So when I started talking about molds and why I felt that it was really important to test a home for mold, you know, people looked at me like I had two heads. They thought yeah. I was crazy. Yeah. And they said, this can't be, you know, what are you talking about mold? And, and people didn't understand where now it's become much more commonplace. You know, everybody talks about mold now or toxic mold or, not necessarily testing for it, which I push for very frequently to that we should test our homes every three to five years. But when people are doing home assessments, you know, home inspectors are now looking for mold and then referring you on to someone to test. So, you know, it's become over the 16 years that I've been doing this, it's changed so dramatically from where we've come. So I think that's a good sign. How did you make that initial connection and find out that mold was to blame? Because I'm assuming your doctor didn't tell you that. No, I, I, I wish I had an answer for you as to how that happens. Um, but it was a process of just sort of eliminating things and studying and whatever studies that were out there about moisture. And um, I read and then I had, you know, found that at the time when I was not feeling well, that we had had mold in a basement and, you know, it was just putting pieces together. And it was very basic. I mean, I, I didn't have a science background at that time like I do now, and I didn't understand it. But I started, I was smart enough, I guess, to piece pieces of the puzzle together. And there were some good environmental physicians at the time who 
were doing work and I, you know, I sought them out and wanted to go and find out what they had to say. And so that's basically how it started. So you got stuck, stuck right in. It, it's uh, reading through your bio, you've, you're a certified mold remediator. You, you're an indoor environmentalist um, certified and a healthy home specialist. Um, as well as you've got your uh, degrees in in architectural from the architectural college. Yes, in sustainable design, I have a certificate. Yeah. The the one thing that strikes me about those is that you're in a place where it's possible to get certified in these things. I mean, it's fantastic that you can be certified as a mold remediator. I don't think that that exists um, in New Zealand here or, or in Australia. Um, so, is that something that's happened recently that these professions have emerged or these organizations have have come about that allows people to get trained and and get certified in these areas um i'd say it's about at least 10 years and there's a lot of different certifications here actually um you have to kind of be careful about which certifications you choose because there are some more fly-by-night certifications um the ones that i've chosen have been um very you've got to do your continuing ed, you've got to stay with your certification. It's not something where you're one and done. You have to continually keep education. Um, in each state, what's happening in the U.S. now is that the states are kind of pushing mold testing, mold consultations, mold remediation. So if you have a problem and you have to remediate it, they're pushing that to the states. So each state now is sort of or coming up with their own certifications for mold remediation and mold testing. So, for example, New York State, is they just passed a law for their certification, so you have to get licensed through their program. In New Jersey, we're pushing for a different licensing as well. Right. And then Florida has a completely different licensing. So the, the states are taking on their own kind of agenda, but there are a few organizations that offer certifications that are kind of um, – constant throughout the U.S. So that's the one that I picked, my CMR and my CIE, which is done through uh, ACAC.org. Um, they're pretty consistent. And are there, is there any regulation that requires homes to be tested? Um, no. And what they're sort of trying to do now is they're trying to have a lot of legislation that requires remediators to be licensed because what happened during Hurricane Sandy and a lot of the uh, hurricanes and detrimental environmental impacts mm. that we've had in the U.S., a lot of people take advantage of homeowners and yeah. say they don't do it properly. They'll spray a lot of chemicals and people will actually get sick from the remediation. So it's right. been a big, it's been push in the area to make sure that the remediators are certified. But in reality, they should be requiring that everybody tests because mm. my, when I preach or talk about my agenda, for everybody to test their home every three to five years. Yeah, we'll come back to that. But first, let's talk about mold. Um, what is mold? Mold is basically a, a fungus that grows, and there are thousands and thousands of species of different molds that can occur. And in, in the environment, in natural conditions, they're great because they basically break down organic material. So when you have leaves and sticks and wood and things in the outside environment that need to be, you know, uh, composted, deteriorated, broken down. These species work great at doing that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, when they get into our homes and they 
find a food source. They're just like people. I, I consider them like people. They love food <laughs> and air and water to grow. Yep. So they need everything we need. And if they get the right environment, because they're floating around so abundantly in the air, they'll land in things and start to grow if you give them the right environment inside. And that's where we don't want them, unfortunately. And so, and is it just by by the mold growing by being pretty? Because like you say, the mold's floating around. So mm -hmm. it, is the job, is the objective to eliminate it completely from, from inside? Yeah, it really should be, I mean, non-existent. Is that really um, accurate? I mean, I've test homes all over the country. And if I really go digging through somebody's house, I can find it. Yeah. It's when we bring these water sources in bathrooms, kitchens, um, you know, you put any kind of water source that naturally is not supposed to be indoors, then you're going to find mold. I mean, toilets sweat uh, over time, tubs leak or moisture condensates on the outside of a tub. So if I really go ripping apart a bathroom that is less than 25 years old, I'm going to find it. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily make it bad either. It, it, you know, that's just commonplace. It's when we test and those numbers start to get increasingly high or air quality is compromised and we see a lot of it in a sample or we see certain toxic molds that we've talked about come up in a sample. Then we know that there's a problem. So I think it really depends on how much you have, what kind you have, where it is, and you know when you're going to be doing any kind of bathroom or kitchen remodeling because you have to redo your kitchen and bathroom every 25 years. People think you put in something and it's going to stay indefinitely, and uh -huh. that's just not true. With water sources, you know, when you bring these types of things in, you have to be prepared that you are going to redo them, you know, more frequently than you realize. Right, right. And so that comes back to testing because there are those other issues about not just how much mold there is, but what types of mold and and where exactly they are and i guess the mm -hmm. only way to to answer that for an individual home is is to get a test right right and you want to compare your outside sample so when we test you always take an outside sample that's your baseline mm -hmm. that basically tells us what's naturally occurring in the environment and what's interesting about doing a test like that is that you get to see what people are subjected to in their outside environment as right. well because some people do have allergies to mold and it has nothing to do with their home. When we test their home, their home is fine. It's the outside and everything. Mm. Maybe they live in the woods or maybe they live by a brook or a stream that's going to have a lot more water surrounding it or moisture. And then you're naturally going to have higher mold counts outside. Depending on the time of the year, you'll have yeah. bas basidiospores. There's certain times people have come to me over the years. And they said, look, I got this mold test. I, my home inspector did this test and he's telling me I have mold. Yeah. And I look at the test and it's elevated. But what the inspector doesn't know is that basidiospores, which are a type of mold that we have here at certain times of year, they're just elevated. It has nothing to do with that. Your house is moldy. It has to do with that. The environment outside and inside, because, you know, we have our windows open and whatnot. That just comes in, and after that time of year is gone, it's usually from about August till December here, which is our fall, and then they disappear. So right. you have to know what environmental factors play in as well because you may not have a problem. It may just be something outside. And you mentioned season seasonality there. You have to be careful, I guess, what time of year or, or have some local uh, knowledge to know mm -hmm. if, if that's going to skew the results a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it helps. Um, not, you know, I test lots of different parts of the country, but that's why you always take an outside sample. Mm, so that's your mm. baseline to say, this is naturally occurring. And then we look at the house and say, okay, well, this is 
concurrent with what's outside or it's completely divergent from what you're yeah. finding there. And then we know you have a problem. So let's, uh, let's mold. The other, the other big area, if we two main categories is chemicals. What, what are the main, are there main sort of types of chemicals that, that you see and that we should be concerned about in the home? Well, I think just like you test for mold every three to five years, I think that people should be doing what's called a TVOC test. And that test is looking at all the volatile organics, personal care products, paints, construction materials, carpeting, um, gasoline, anything that you might be storing in your home and seeing what on a daily basis you're exposed to and what that chemical level is. What, what exactly is a VOC? I mean, people hear that term all the time, but what does it mean? A VOC is basically how I can describe it. It's just a volatile organic compound. That's what it stands for. VOC stands for volatile organic compound. And they're all the different chemicals and captured gases that come off different products. So when you manufacture a product, it's going to have VOCs. Mm -hmm. um, typically, you'll hear about paints, right? They'd say paints can have VOCs or no VOCs. There really isn't any. In U.S., they get away with saying no VOC, which is really it's a falsity for some reason. They're allowed to say it. Right. But even a low no VOC paint has low VOCs. So right. most things we we have or bring into our homes do put off something. Natural things put off these volatile organics, too. And I'm a really big proponent of just because something's green doesn't make it healthy. Yeah. And when, when I look at the house, I'm looking strictly from a health perspective. I don't look at it from, well, this is a green product because green products can deceive you. They can be marked that they're green and have chemical compounds that are not green. They can also have green products like citrus and pine and um, uh, uh, lavender, eucalyptus. All these things are yeah. natural. And like linseed oil. I, I remember... I remember breathing that in when I was a when I was a child. It probably didn't do me any good. Right, and it's a volatile organic. Exactly, it's it's not good for you. And a lot of these essential oils that people use now, oh my gosh, they they go crazy. And they, you should only have about fifteen minutes a day because actually it stresses your lungs and can irritate the lining of your lung. So it's important for people to realize: try to stay away from fragrances. You can have a little bit, but you don't want to inundate your house with them, whether they're natural. Un the body doesn't recognize the difference, whether yeah, natural right. or unnatural. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now, we talked yesterday about um, the the crazy things that we do in our houses. Um, primarily, we park cars inside them. <laughs> um, and we're doing this more and more with internal garages and uh, with not a lot of separation between the garage space and the living space. Is that one of the primary areas that these VOCs enter the home? Yes, especially if you have um, a garage that's attached to your home. Mm. And then unfortunately, a lot of the chemicals like benzene, which is a carcinogen, um, they're found in car exhaust. So when you decide you're going to start your car up or pull your car in and out of the garage, you're going to re be releasing these compounds into your home. And people think because the garage is separate, that it's not affecting your overall indoor air quality. And unfortunately, it is because of ne the way we build homes under negative pressure, things get pulled in through stack effect through the walls, through the basement and up mm. through the roof and out. So with no break, you know, positive pressure coming in or anything to release that, you're just pulling everything up through your house. 
And then you're breathing in all these chemicals that come off the automobiles and anything else you may be storing in the garage. That's interesting. So you an advocate for positive pressure um, ventilation systems? Yes. I mean, I, I think, you know, and I don't, you'd have to tell me about how they build in New Zealand, but badly. here. Just badly yeah. generally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's pretty concurrent with the U.S. But oh, it is. It is. Commercial, I mean, residential, I think, is built very poorly. Commercial yeah. buildings, they are more conscious about positive pressure. And, and that seems to be better. So, but as far as residential homes go, there's no ventilation. There's nothing coming in to break that stack effect. And when you're pulling from, in, in our country, you know, you've got radon, you have radioactive materials, you may have lead in the basement, you may have old piping, you may have asbestos, you may have mold. When you have all that in a basement, you're pulling that up to your house, it's unhealthy. Yeah, and we typically um, ventilate from the roof space. So um, we don't really have attics, but in the roof space, a lot of people think they're positive pressurizing their home, but really they're just sucking in air from from above the ceiling uh, mm-hmm. and, and drawing that down into their home. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily the healthiest thing to do. Correct. The thing with ventilation too, and I think you would probably concur, is when you do bring fresh air in, you have to hope it's fresh. Mm, so, you yeah. know, when you get in polluted areas where you've got factories around or drier vents or, you know, um, any kind of uh, pollution, say you have animals, horses outside, you know, you have to yeah. make sure that air quality is good because you could really be doing a disservice if you're bringing in poor air as well. So that's a, that's a concern too. You've got to be able to have a source for, for good air. Now, you make this point about three to five years. What's the reason for checking your home every three to five years? Well, to, for mold, I think what I recommend is each year you just make it a point to do one thing for your home. So it's more to keep it um, organized so that you're not overwhelmed. It's an expense to test things. You know, you're going to have money. You're putting out money. So each year, if you do one thing, it's going to help you overall keep your home in good shape yeah so unless you had some kind of major water intrusion or something that would change if you had a flood or you had broken pipes or something you know out of the ordinary happened typically doing a mold test every three to five years is just going to kind of keep the build check your building envelope for anything that you may not be able to see because obviously if you have water intrusion hopefully you'll fix it and do something to improve it and stop the leak and clean up whatever got got wet or you know Mm. destroyed but if you can't see it what i'm looking at is the building envelope is that building envelope taking on any moisture that we don't know about i've had it happen in my own home i had some soffit vents on the side of the home and the water was able to get down into the building envelope and rot out the plywood on the exterior but the exterior of the shingle the wood shingle was absolutely fine the interior wall was absolutely fine and the only reason i found mold was because i did a mold test so right. I started to see an elevation in, in a bedroom, and I said, this is strange. Why yeah. is this elevated? And then I was doing some painting, and I saw a little, little spot, little tiny spot that was like water damage. I mean, you most people wouldn't have probably picked up on it, but I'm pretty meticulous yeah. about kind of keeping yeah. The little baby spot. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take that drywall off. And when I did, that sheathing underneath was like paper. You could have put your hand right through it. It was completely rotted out. It was probably like six by six sections. So it was, 
it was pretty large. Yeah. And um, I had to replace it, but I would have never known if I didn't do the mold test. And that's in my own home. So I have to recommend that to other people because I think that it tells you things about your building envelope. And you and I've talked about that. And, and maybe you want to reiterate that these building envelopes are getting thicker and thicker and thicker and you can't see. Yeah. Within- they're getting more complicated. It, it, the envelopes are getting tighter, usually by design. But I think that the key thing there is we don't know what we don't know. And if it's, I mean, at the moment, our houses are really dumb. There are no sensors in them. They're they're not telling us uh, even about the moisture or, or, you know, if if, if our cars were leaking something or, or there was something being emitted from something that shouldn't be there, they'd probably tell us nowadays there are sensors all throughout our vehicles, but our cars, we just don't know what's going on. So, you know, that totally makes sense to have someone come in and, or, or in your case, send send someone the gear so they can mm-hmm. test their house on a regular basis to know. Uh, and that's fascinating that you can tell so much by doing one of these air tests inside the room that's going to tell you, um, give you a really good early warning sign as to what's going inside your wall because who knows what would have happened if, if that just um, was left to carry on. Sure. And then you're going to get more infiltration because that the plywood now had been compromised. So more and more water was going to keep coming in. And the elevation in the mold test was very slight. I think it was eight, an eight spore count, which is really, it's relatively low, but you can tell when you look at these tests, when people are starting to have a problem. So it's not always a doomsday scenario. I'll get back results and I'll say, look, I see your basement is starting to have mold growth or maybe a bedroom. Put it on your priority list yeah, that maybe yeah. a year or two, you're going to have to do some remodeling yep. and it gives people some time to, you know, gather resources, financial or time period that they want to do the construction just gives you a, a window. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you get mold tests back and you're like, look, you have to do something immediately. This is toxic mold and it's not good. But if you have a baseline as to where your house is and then you test periodically, you know, OK, I'm going I'm starting to have a problem in this area and I'm going to have to do something about it. How big a deal is it uh, to do a test? What what sort of uh, cost is involved? It's about $400, give or take. Mm-hmm. And that does three samples inside your home and one sample outside. And that's all your lab charges. That's everything. Your pump, your lab charges, consultation. So it's really not to me. I mean, when you're especially if you're buying a house and the, the pricing of homes here in the U.S., I mean, to spend hundred dollars to do a test is like nothing yeah so you know if you're going to make a big investment it's one of those things you need to do if you're home yeah and more more than that i mean it's the financial stuff and the value of the home and everything but you're putting yourself and you're putting your kids and your family inside this thing and you're spending uh what is it 70 to 90 percent of our time now inside um exactly so you know my initially people you know four hundred dollars do i really want to spend that but yeah, you get to be sucking in air from this thing all the time. All the all the hours that you're sleeping in in the room, like I'm pretty keen to go and get my room tested. <laughs> yeah, it's to me, it's a no brainer. I mean, it really is. You spend all this money to get insurance and to go yeah. to the doctor, and these are the types of things that can really make you not feel well. Just from stuffy noses to headaches to asthma to breathing problems. In you know, with toxic mold, there's a lot of things we don't understand about it that can affect possibly neurologic problems and it's the way molds work is that they really impact your immune system so it's another thing your body has to clear and get rid of 
So yeah. that's why, I, you know, I view the immune system as a bucket. So all these different things, these chemicals, mold, radon, maybe you have your radiologicals in your home, maybe you're a woodworker, maybe whatever it is, it's this bucket and your body's got to clear and constantly function in these things. And when these things get too high, that's when we see people developing chemical sensitivity, asthma, headaches, mm. chronic fatigue, all these sort of lumped together problems that are really just the function of, you know, our environment and, and what we're living in. And so people may not have necessarily a um, uh, underlying um, sensitivity to one particular aspect, but it, it might be an accumulation of all those things just hammering their immune system that and then, then finally there's one straw that breaks the camel's back. And that, That's exactly what happens. And right. I work with a lot of doctors across this country who are willing to look at this environmental component because we're always concerned about what we put into our body and we want to eat organic chicken and we want to eat kale yeah. and vegetables. Yeah. And then we want to know well, my mother had breast cancer and her mother had breast cancer. Am I going to have, it's the DNA portion, but we forget about our environments. We mm. forget completely what's going on. And, you know, back in the day, the doctor used to come to your home and he'd say, okay, Matthew, well, um, I see I'm in your home and I see you have this problem or maybe you have dust and he could get a visual impact on what you're living in and could see maybe if something was impacting you. Yeah. But now go to a doctor's office they never see our home they don't yeah. they're missing a complete component then when the doctor in the olden days like little house in the prairie which was a famous yeah 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 show but doc baker used to come to the home and he'd examine you and yeah. see what was going on that yeah. piece has been lost in medicine and it was my goal and job to help bring that back and that's why i work with these doctors and they do these kits that i talk about voc mold kits because they're trying to put together a puzzle piece and to understand the patient, understand how your body's working and what you're subjected to. And the good doctors do this. And I work with them frequently. And I think it's really important to know what you're exposed to. Where can people find you, Caroline? They can find me at healthyhomeexpert.com. That's a great URL. <laughs> Easy to remember. Yeah. Healthy Home Expert, and you um, you are all over the media as well. Um, you've got lots of articles, and um, people can find you, some of the other interviews that you've done uh, online. Yes, if they, if they go to that website and they go under our media section, mm -hmm. um, they can listen to shows just like this one or listen to read articles that we've written all about this topic and how to have a healthy home and improve your wellness by improving your home. Awesome. Hey, well, thank you very much for your time, Caroline. Really appreciate you coming on the show and good luck with, um, I know you're carrying on the journey and in, in, in increasing your certification uh, even further. So um, I hope that goes well and uh, we do what we can to, to get the message out there and also to help people to, to fix this, to become aware of what's going on in their own home and then and then work towards fixing it. Absolutely. And you too. I'm so glad that you have shows like this and you're educating the public. It's really important. Mm. And um, I, I commend you. And I think uh, we're both on that same journey. And I'm glad that we crossed paths because I too. think we can help. The synergy will help promote the message. Awesome. Thanks, Caroline. Thank you. Caroline Blavosky is the Healthy Home Expert, and you can find her, as she said, at healthyhomeexpert.com. She's got an amazing array of resources there, and if you are in the US, then definitely 
get your home tested, you can just click through and buy her kit directly from her website. Send it out, uh, it'll get sent out to you. All the instructions are there and uh, you can send it back and get some results. Fantastic service. That uh, type of thing is available here in New Zealand and if you are interested in getting your home tested for mould or for VOCs or any of those other, well some of those other um, contaminants, then get in touch and if I can't help you directly, I'll point you in the right direction so that you can. And if you enjoyed this show and any others like it, I'd really love it if you could head over to iTunes and leave a quick review or rating there and also share this as well. Share it among your friends. We've got a great growing network of uh, listeners and subscribers to the show and I love getting your questions as well, which you can send to matthew at homestylegreen.com. I'll put all the show notes for this episode over at homestylegreen.com forward slash 160 for episode 160. Thank you very much for tuning in. Now go make a better place to live.